And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. It's Thursday night. It's the big guy. It's the hammer. You know what it is. It's the it's the Rugby Rant episode of the show. Um, we got a good one for you. Um, you know, the, the big guy and the hammer couldn't be down in D.C. for the All Blacks match at FedEx Field. So what we did was we recruited two guys who were actually down there live, Alex Carlson and Mike Parazzini. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, you know, we're, we're going to get some perspective from guys who are actually there. You know, you're going to get, obviously, our, me and Rob's perspective, because let's be honest, we're who you came to see. Um, and uh, before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about our friends at canibrands.com. Um, me and Rob use this product often. Um, you know, the, the Can I Fresh is something I, I speak about often. Um, middle of the day, having trouble, you know, pop eight or nine squirts of the Can I Fresh from that little aerosol can that fits right in your pocket or your shave kit if you're traveling. Um, you know, and boom, I'm ready to go for the, my second half of the day. Or you can use the little droppers again, you know, eight or nine drops from the droplet and you're, you're ready to go. Um, I know Rob likes the can I boost in the morning, right, Rob? Yep. Yeah. I use the can I boost in the morning to get me a lift, especially if I'm going to get that workout in, in the morning, I've been trying to run three days a week. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult to do so, especially after taping at night, <laughs> Late into the wee hours, uh, you need something to get you going. And then that, you know, can I fresh is great in the afternoon if I want to get a quick uh, workout in the afternoon. So it's it's good stuff, especially for old guys like me who are pushing <laughs> who are pushing past middle age. Uh, need a little something to give me a kick in the afternoon. Hey, you know, they're great products. Uh, you know, I'm sure Preston can use some can I mend after kind of splitting his uh, hand wide open after scoring his second try against Marion. Congratulations, little hammer. Two spectacular uh, tries for you. But uh, you get all these products. A lot of versatility there, didn't he? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, You know, all these products are THC free. You know, they're non-habit forming, which is something that, you know, which is one of the reasons why I like this company. Uh, That's near and dear to my heart. So please go to canibrands.com and use the code RANT25 for 25% off your entire purchase. No matter what you're getting, they have little kits. You could do a Can I Mend, a Can I Fresh, and a Can I Boost in one little kit. Um, 25% off, use the code RANT25. Any orders over $49 or free shipping in the continental United States. Again, please check out canibrands.com. And to get 25% off your entire purchase, use the code RANT25. So before we get into the topic, Rob, um, you know, I'm just going to go over the rules real quick. So uh, I'm acting as the, the, the referee as the sir today. Our buddy Ty Braga couldn't be here with us. Um, and even though Mike and Alex have been here before and kind of know the rules already, um, I'm just going to go go through it. So each person's going to have two minutes to rant about the topic that we've chosen. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's certain certain things involved in rugby, right, guys? You know, little little things. Um, one of them is called Rutwab. It's called the cheese. The cheese. So if somebody goes over there two minutes or has a general infraction that the big guy doesn't like, the big sir, we'll, we'll call myself now, uh, you will get the cheese. That's your warning. Um, if you go over your limit twice or you do something so egregious that you're going to get a little bit of wine with that cheese, you'll get a red card. And the big sir will take you off screen. Um, so the topic for today, fellas, obviously we were talking about it, uh, is the Eagles all blacks match. Now, uh, 104 to 14, right? 104 to 14. That's correct. Yep. Final score. Uh, first time we actually got to, we've scored tries against the all blacks ever, uh, playing them. So that's, that's a tip in the tip in the cap for us, regardless of how you feel about the outcome, uh, played at FedEx field. There was about 40,000 people there. Um, and just to be uh, as a reminder, you know, New Zealand is still not letting people leave the country. Um, so I 
thoroughly believe if people were allowed to travel internationally, the New Zealanders would have traveled internationally to go to this match. Um, you know, FedEx Field is a nice field, and I'm sure we'll hear some more bird's eye accounts from these two guys. But I just want to point that out too, which is going. You know, it's it's like going back to the Irish match. The reason they cancel the Irish match because the Irish aren't going to be able to travel. You know, and that's going to kind of stop the the, the ticket sales. So, but we rolled with forty thousand deep. Um, Watching on flow, I thought it was good. Uh, you know, it looked like a good atmosphere and things like that. But like I said, we're going to give everybody two minutes, and then the big guy's going to pick the winner at the end of this. So, uh, Alex, your two minutes start now. Okay. Well, thanks again for having me. And, and uh, it was a great weekend. Uh, win, win, lose, win, lose, or draw would have been cool too, right? Uh, snowstorm, anything at that time to kind of slow the all blacks attack down. Um, it, it was amazing to see all these ruggers. Everybody made it happen. And, and to stay positive throughout this whole thing is the fact that we, that's, our, that's another match, you know, whereas like a year ago, nobody was playing rugby and nobody was together. So you get a bunch of people from all over the U.S. coming in to support maybe the All Blacks more than the Eagles. But either way, everybody got together. Uh, and I think that's a huge part of it. So to kind of shift it from positive to constructive, uh, it's, it's, it's time to kind of close that umbrella of BS I think we live under as USA rugby fans. And it's, it's, time, to, it's time to get laser sharp focused. We have uh, a big match as, as a nation coming up in 2022. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of people that want accountability. They want accountability from USA rugby in grassroots growth. And they want accountability from USA rugby and what – this team's going to do to kind of get over that hump and kind of shed all these little monikers of the sleeping giant or, you know, we're not good enough to be a tier one nation. So there's a lot of positives to take from it from Osberger's try to just the boys not giving up over 80 minutes. But I think that's the biggest thing in my rant is being positive and being constructive. It's time for USA rugby to plant that guide on and plant it deeply and decide what we're going to stand on, what's our culture going to be like, what's our principles moving forward into 2022, and how we're going to attack Chile, because that's that's step A. We can't get to step B and to be a top 10 nation until we attack, attack, attack. That's the principle of play. Attack, 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 go forward. Yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, I, I, I think – uh, we talked about with Bryce Campbell on Monday, um, you know, going into this match against Chile, you know, we have to get that America's two slot. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know, re- we can't rely on repertoire. We have to rely on beating Chile and getting that, that number two spot to get in the rugby world cup and then do some, you know, work on doing some business in 2023. Um, yep. Um, atmosphere. I'm glad you, you like the atmosphere. Um, I mean, I don't think any rugby match I've ever been to has had a bad atmosphere, you know, even if it's, you know, not a lot of fans, you know, if it's a small club style match, you know, it's the atmosphere is what you make it. Um, so I think it's, you know, it was a good time for everybody. Friend of the show, Matt McCarthy, uh, you know, he was posting all over the place with some of uh, my fellow rooster boosters, uh, mine and Mike's fellow rooster boosters. I saw a ton of people, friend of the show, Sue Parks uh, was all over it. Uh, had some great, great pictures. Sue Parks had great pictures of, of uh, Nate, Nick, and uh, the Butch together and sent it to me, which was really nice. And you saw guys like Ben Bonasso just taking pictures with everybody in the stands and signing autographs and, and doing what rugby players always do, so it was nice to see. Grand Poobah, buddy. Let's go. I was going to say, you know, first things first, it was great that we scored or, you know, our first tries ever against the All Blacks, and that's really all I want to kind of talk about the game 
itself. I want kind of wanted to focus on, you know, the ancillary things. You know, this was, you know, the USA's chance to show that we could put on a good rugby show and we had great rugby atmosphere ahead of our world uh, rugby world cup bids that we just announced. And so that was kind of our, you know, plan to show everyone, Hey, we, we have good rugby culture. We can get stand, you know, fans in the seats and, you know, everyone will have fun. I think, you know, there was around 40,000 people that showed up. I would have uh, liked a, a bit more. I think they were expecting around 50,000 as well. Um, it seemed like there was a million all black fans, which is something that I personally haven't, you know, an issue with, you know, we're in USA. Yeah, it's USA. There are a lot of, you know, USA, all black fans, you know, I think, you know, if you're a USA, you know, rugby player, the acceptable, you know, uniform that you should be wearing is your, you know, your club uniform or, you know, some, some red and blue, like, come on, you know, cheer on the boys. Lay it down, um, Mikey, lay it down. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, come on, like, really, like, you know, we're here for, you know, the Eagles. I understand the all blacks are, you know, the pinnacle, but it, it's, you're being kind of a, you know, you know, a front runner. Um, it was, this was, I think this is always going to be a test for the MR, MLR players. We talked, everyone was talking about how, you know, this is outside of the international window. And so we didn't get those international players, but this was the test for the MLR players. We do, we have created this, you know, this league as an opportunity to, you know, feed into USA rugby in the hopes of eventually, you know, all of USA rugby possibly coming from the MLR. So this was kind of a test to see how they were doing with that. I think, you know, they performed admirably. Like I said, scored the first two tries that ever happened against the All Blacks. And this wasn't a shabby All Blacks team either. But I think, you know, there was a, a whole lot of, you know, BS that surrounded the game afterwards. I think, you know, there was a great, great deal of respect that was shown for Jerry Collins and, uh, and Sean Wainu right before the game. But I think afterwards, there was a lot of people that were, you know, fake pundits that were looking into things and making things not really as great as they should have been. I think... USA did a good job, but it was the BS that killed it. And just like a typical nine, I think he's getting in trouble with the sir. You get a yellow, sir, for going past your time. But let me let me say this uh, for those of you that don't know, because uh, because the big guy might get a red card here for some language used. Um, those pundits not only were they were they was it terrible journalism? Not only were they talking trash about our team, um, you know, selecting the player they selected to talk about. Uh, is utterly ridiculous. Um, the the one player they selected uh, to talk about is probably the least likely to ever want to have any publicity about his rugby internationally or in the pros. Um, so, you know, for, for not only from a Rooney fan, but just from a New York perspective, this could have been if they picked a San Diego fan and, uh, player and did the same thing. Big fuck you to that guy. Um, I got to be quite honest. And it, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to give him credence on here. But it's no. shit journalism. Um, and if you guys want to give me a red card for calling it out, you can for my language. But you know what, man? This this is what we do in New York. We're, um, we're so, called the rugby ran for a reason, big guys. So yeah. We'll let it go. Know, so, so, so you guys know I was fired up about that. So I'm glad Mike brought it up. Um, but I'm glad you brought up the, the fact that we can have this great atmosphere surrounding this big game. And I do think for the lack of what we had on the field as far as, you know, if, if you know, questions remain, you know, our defense wasn't the best. Our offense didn't seem as in sync, you know, despite those two tries. Um, it does show that we can put on the big event and we have done it before. Um, but I think leading up to, you know, having our announcement and then showing that we can have it, even in the, in days where international travel is not happening, especially with the cancellation of the Irish game is very, very important. Um, so I do think on that standpoint, it's a win. And I think uh, USA rugby fans should really take a hard look 
at that as being the win for the weekend and not necessarily the gameplay or, you know, whatever other extracurricular activities were going on outside of that from some British pundits who don't know their elbow from their asshole. But uh, let's, let's talk about the all blacks and the Eagles, Rob, your two minutes start now. Well, quite frankly, thank you, Alex and Mike, for talking about the game experience because I wasn't there, so I'm not going to hit upon that. You guys did a fine job. I want to talk about the game itself. Um, I, I looked at it, and if you guys go back to episode 73, I said, you know, there were really three goals that I had for the team. And, and the first is um, organized defense. I really wanted to see them put on an organized defense. I think that's what they were really lacking in this game. I think they need to improve that going into the qualifiers in 2022. Um, I want to see more quick ball. Right. Um, and I wanted to see attacking rugby. And I want to talk about this last piece a little bit more. I think some people have, have mentioned the fact that the USA were searching for an identity. I think if anything, the USA team needs to go back and look at this game and say, okay, the All Blacks have a blueprint for how we should play. Now, I'm not going to be Mr. Optimist or I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up anybody's ass and say, oh, we can play just like the All Blacks. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'd like to see us take some of these principles that they apply to the game and begin to work on these for our structure. So number one, they play really close to the line. Right. You saw that quite a bit. You almost saw as from a TV perspective, guys, that I thought looked like the ball was a forward ball, but they're running onto it. So let's run onto the ball at pace. Number two, let's work on transition rugby, right? Turn from defense to offense. We get a poach. Let's work the ball and put pressure on the, on the, the, the opposition. Um, pace of play. Let's increase the pace of play, work on our fitness, improve our fitness so that we can play an intense pace of play. And what I'm talking about there is something simple as a guy makes a break. We saw it with Nate Osberger when he scored his try. Guy makes a break. The All Blacks have five guys around him ready to receive a pass. Like that's just about being in the right spot, having the fitness to get there and being aware of who's around you. And those are things that we can work on as a team. So I'd like to see those things develop over over time as we head into 2023. I know it's a tall ask, but that's how we should play rugby. That's the blueprint. Let's take that away from the game. You know what? I think you're right. You know, why play like somebody else? Find our own identity and and do what we need to do. And I think one of the things we do well, you know, line outs to rolling malls to score. Um and you had six guys on the field or five guys on the field in that pack starting that do that professionally, you know, for eight months to nine months out of the year together. Um, so, you know, and it could just be that the all blacks were just beating us in the lineouts, you know, they were, they were better in the lineouts, but I do think it's one of those things where if you got away from it, um, you run it, right. It's, it's like a football thing. It's called keeping them honest, right? So if you're good at a running play, you're going to run the dive until they can stop it. And then as soon as they start stopping it, that's where you run the play action pass. Right. So me and Rob talk about it all the time. We've successfully run that pop pat, that fake mall pop pass to guys like, uh, Hanko and specifically it's worked, uh, for Rooney going to Ben Bonasso, who's a speedster, um, at seven. So, you know, I think it's one of those things where I don't know if we shied away from it because we shied away from it or we shied away from it because we just didn't get ball retention. Well, I think part of the challenge there was if you noticed, uh, the USA as compared to some of those previous games, especially in the qualifiers, I don't think we controlled the set piece quite as well in this game. Uh, there were a number of times when I saw Dolan. I mean, he had his finger on the ball, but he wasn't able to get quality ball from the top and drop it down. He had to tip him back. Uh, we saw the one scrum in the first half. Um, we had a nice shove on, 
and it was our put in, and the ball squirted out the back. So we we weren't able to control the ball quite as well at those set pieces, and I think that made some of those uh, things a little difficult. And I do think we saw a difference in gameplay, and Alex and Mike might be able to back me up on this because we had Nate Augsburger on the nine and Ruben DeHaas wasn't available. So I think we only had one box kick in the first, and I don't even know if we had any in the second. And I think me and Rob were talking about it uh, while we were watching the match, you know, texting each other. There was a second one that he that Nate was looking to go through, and he kind of looks up to see if he has blockers and misjudges the ball and just jumped on it to keep possession. But they kind of went away from that possession box kicking thing, which is something we all felt and I, I'm speaking for Alex and Mike, but I know Rob feels this way that they shouldn't have been doing in the second half against Uruguay because, you know, open it up. So we finally opened it up against a team like New Zealand and we kind of just got it ran back down our throat, but that's what happens with a team like New Zealand. Um, so I'm going to come back with the, with the question, um, Alex, did you like the tactic, the different tactic taking place on the field with, by the Eagles? I, I did, uh, and, I, and I agree with your assessment, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like I said, a lot of times uh, being that military guy, I kind of go back to something. But when you're doing planning, right, for, for anything, I mean, those of you who have played, you know, we've all played, coached, administrator, whatever else, or even on the business side of us, whatever your civilian job is, like no plan survives first contact, right? And that's the great thing about rugby is it's a very empowering sport, right? You do all the hard work during the week, and you send, send the guys and gals out there to go play, and, and you, let them run, you let them run the show. And I thought Nate really did a good job attacking and trying to figure it out, right? You've got to be, and I think that maybe that's one of those things that's missing, you know, when they go to do their stubby pencil work post, post this match, it's figuring out like, how are we more, how, how are the Eagles going to be more flexible and adaptable? Or are we going to just, you know, re, re, re kind of regurgitate the same game plan. And I really like that about Nate. Like he was fired up. He was attacking. He was, you know, he was making it happen. And at the end of the day, like, um, Tyson's quote, right? Like everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I think that's the yeah. that's the person who made that one. That's kind of that's kind of what Nate did. So I like I like that. I th- like the fact that like he was scrappy, he was adaptable. They were making it work. They weren't afraid to run at the All Blacks. Everybody, you know, the All Mike made a really great point because I was following some of that too. Oh my goodness, you would have thought that the Eagles were playing like the All Blacks, like 18th string team when you've got you know hundreds of caps sitting on the bench. So yeah. uh, you know they. I, I loved it. You know, it's scrappy. They didn't give up, and I thought I thought they were a lot more adaptable and flexible. Taking it to who's arguably the best. That's definitely the best program in history. It's um and 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 arguably the best team in the world right now. And and by the way, uh, like I think Osberger uh, Nate showed exactly what you just said when he scored that try. Right, he turned to go make the pass, ran into I don't know whether Savetta or Savetta. it might have been Savetta, yeah. and then he went. No pass, boom, and I'm going to run it straight up. And that's how we ended up scoring. So, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, if you play with a little bit of creativity and that idea of, you know, just um, adaptability, that that good things can happen. You just got to be ready for anything. I think, in, and this goes back to Alex's point, and if this is a military thing, you know, indecision, you know, indecision and no decision right. is your worst enemy, right? right? You know, what's, what's, uh, what's one of the things they say in the military, Alex? Uh, no, there's no wrong decision. So I think Nate's urgency to, he hit. He goes for a pass. He he hits his own guy. So what's the next thing? It wasn't stop to assess it. It was go forward, restart the phase, right? Because what's going to happen? You restart the phase. Whoever's, you know, whatever forwards are there are going to pick the ball to get you out of that right situation. And then you're coming up on the second phase where you're going to have the ball in hand again and kind of start. So I think that urgency he he showed was probably you know 
out of all the the times we've you know watched him play, it showed sparkling here and and did cause that try. Um, Mike, my question for you is obviously defense is the, you know the tackling wasn't there, right? We all know that. I don't think we have to say it any more than that. Um, we we saw that. So besides the defense, what is the improvement for this team going forward to play Chile? I think it's got to be trust. I don't. I think while. You know, the tackling was poor and the defense was poor. It wasn't just the tackling that was bad. It was it was the trust. There was there was no trust on the defensive line. You, you know, if you're at, it seemed like, you know, I think m- the vast majority of the tries that the All Blacks scored on us were right around the outside. And so that means that either a wing's being beat or a wing's, mm-hmm. which happened most of the time, is a wing was cutting in to cover a tackle that, you know, he thought his teammate wasn't going to make. And so you end up double tackling a guy and he offloads it and then, you know, it's, you know, you, they run down the line. Um, so I think that trust has to be there. You got to, you know, hope that or know that, you know, the guy to the right or the left of you is going to make that tackle. And a lot of times, too, it was a forward. You know, there was a few times where I saw Hanko. He was going to make that tackle. And it just seemed whoever was there on the wing just didn't didn't feel like that was going to happen. And so cut in, left, you know, one to two, you know, all blacks out mm-hmm. wide and. That's how you know. That's how you score. Is just enough guys out out wide. Absolutely, and I think we talked about that during the season, right? Like in the MLR season, this past MLR season, about what, like, why Austin was so good on defense those the first half of the season is they were completing their one on one tackles, right? It was one and done. The second guy is coming over to try and poach the ball or hitting that offload guy or setting up in the lane, you know, so you the, the, a pass isn't there, you know, things like that. And I do think you're right. I think it wasn't just tackles completed. It was two guys tackling and the off the guy being, you know, offloaded to is just going free now, you know? Um, so I think you're right. So I, it, it, it could definitely be a trust thing. Um, Hammer. So besides defense, besides defense and trust, what's the third thing? Oh, um, I think improving, improving in the set piece play. Like I, I we demonstrated that we could go toe to toe in the scrum when we really focused and buckled mm-hmm. down and knuckled under, as they say in the scrum. Um, and we can provide that stable platform. We had pieces of it. We show that we can have some quality ball in the lineup. But uh, I, I think just consistency, right? Creating more consistency in those areas. Um, and, and that's what I would like to see. And, and I'm talking from top to bottom. We have, we seem to see over the international play from July to now inconsistency in performance. You know, we played a real, we played a poor game against Canada and Newfoundland. And then we come back and we play really well in Glendale. We come back, we play mildly well against Uruguay, uh, Uruguay and Glendale. And then we go have a stinker down in Montevideo. Um, we played really well, you know, played well against, uh, uh, England and then, turn around and came back and did play so well against Ireland. So, you know, in the big picture, I'd like to see consistency. And I think on the pitch, I'd like to see consistency as well. Uh, but particularly in the set piece, um, get those things right, get the things we can control right, especially when it's our put in or our throw in. No, I, I think, think that you're right. To, I was going to say, I think that has to come down to, we have to play or we, everyone has to be somewhat on, a, on the same page. Um, I think Rick Salizo was interviewed by Sky recently i think within the past few days about you know usa rugby because he's there you know he's the new zealanders insider into what you know usa rugby is he's talking about he's like you know there's just so many different academies that are run by 
private people, not like a New Zealand academy. It's not like New Zealand rugby where top to down, this is what we're teaching. You know, this is how we're playing rugby. This is how everyone is going to play rugby. So, you know, when, you know, we, we go for all black selection or higher, you know, higher level selection, everyone knows what is supposed to be done. We don't kind of have that uniformity amongst USA. And I think if we start at a grassroots level, we can start getting that uniformity. And at least, you know, we know what we want. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you talk about uniformity, you talk about um, consistency. And even though we don't have, we didn't have our European internationals, we had enough practice and enough time to, to have that consistency in the set piece. But I feel like, and this is an example of the AGs, right? In, in 2019 and 2020, and they're the top of the organization is in disarray and, and 2018 as well. And they're going through all these transitions and what did you have bad performance on the field? The start of 2021 for the AGs, we were talking about it with Bryce Campbell previously, the top is now sorted. And what do they get? They get a 10 and six record. And if we had the playoffs we were supposed to have, they probably would have had a third slot and could be fighting for a place in the semifinal. Right. So that leads into the next question. Now on the fan zone, um, one of our fans had asked is Gary gold on the hot seat. And there was an interesting, interesting answer from the Sabercats, Taylor Houghton. And I'm just going to, I'm going to quote a little bit of it. And he says, in my, it's time, it's time to go in my opinion and not fully because of the on the field results. But what has Gary Gold done to expand the knowledge of current coaches in place, specifically in the high school age group? If Gary Gold is to be let go, then it should be on the grounds of lack of development in the leadership on the lower level of coaches. But maybe that's a USA rugby responsibility. I don't know. He goes on to kind of clarify his position about, um, the lack of knowledge in high school coaches and even some college coaches on positioning, defensive positioning, you know, uh, different ways we do ball in hand in the upper levels. Right. And then he goes on to say, I mean, outside of test windows, where is Gary gold and what is he doing? So we don't know, you know, maybe he is going around and he is teaching these classes and things like that. What I do know is, you know, recently, USA rugby lost a coach due to nothing but unfortunate bad luck and personal situation where he had to go back home to Ireland. Um, my friend, Greg McWilliams, and he goes to Ireland and now he's already being named the head of uh, the Irish women's national team. There's a reason for that. He, he learned under Gary gold in America at, in that system, you know, coaching at Yale, coaching at Rooney, being the attack coach for USA. So, I mean, I do think at the upper levels, obviously Gary gold is molding, the coaching staff, Sean Pittman, things like that. But, you know, maybe it does at least there should be an answer as to what does he do outside of that? How does he have that level drip down as the national coach? So my question to everybody, we'll start with Alex, then Mike, and then Rob. Um, is Gary Gold on the hot seat after this performance against the All Blacks? I think uh, I think that's 100%. Um... It's got to it's got to be a hundred percent in every fan's mind, and I think I would hope at the higher level, right? And once again, who am I? You know, I'm a I'm a lower level henchman. I don't even have a na- I don't even have a nickname. You know, <laughs> I, so I think the biggest the biggest part of it is sure, you know, but you know who's qualified to say yes or no, whatever else. It's the, like the timing of this. It's the perfect storm, right? The bankruptcy, the this, the World Cup bid, MLRs growing. Uh, and, and Mike, I think we've all kind of touched on a little bit. You know, my, my big thing is grassroots, grassroots. You mentioned high school. Um, you know, I mentioned transparency. 
I, I think there's so many stovepipes going on right now that it's it's a big you know there's information's not coming together. It's not getting disseminated and someone's not taking the best practices and pushing it down to whether it's the MLR academies, whether it's just pushing it down. Like, listen, you might not, you might be in um, pig's knuckle, Arkansas and not have an academy near you. So like, how does that coach get the information? Hopefully not paying by paying $25 or $50 or $75. That's information. Like if you got the secret wrestling, if you got the secret wrestling rugby, you know, move, let's get that to all the coaches. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you want us to do because like, Nate scoring that try with his hands raised like that, that's the poster that needs to be in our kids' bedrooms. You mean? Not not pictures mm-hmm. of guys doing the haka. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like what you said is like it's it's time to hold Gary Gold accountable. I, I I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of USA rugby hundred percent, but I think I think anybody that's a USA rugby fan, anybody that wants to see us be a top tier, the USA be a top tier nation, has to demand that. And it starts with a, accountability and transparency. At that level, yeah. What's what's his schedule like? What's his what's his day to day like? How how do I get to? Is there a ask you know Gary Gold Q and A that we can pop up once a month for the coaches or or the fans or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I wonder what that access is. And you have it's funny because you have guys, former Eagles, our buddy Dave Fee, our buddy Mike Petrie, our buddy Dan Lyle, who go and they do the youth programs. You know, Mike Petrie coaches high school. Dave Fee is part of the USA program. You know, and and coaches previously had coached in high school and college, you know, and, and so it seems as though when guys are, you know, out of, out of their playing age and they look to go into coaching, they're doing it here, but what is actively being done right now by the head coach of, of, of the Eagles, you know, and it can't just be on guys who used to be Eagles and want to help their community. It does have to be driven from a top-down approach because that's the only way it's going to drip. So Mike, do you think Gary Gold is on the hot seat? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, if they do, they don't qualify. He's, you know, he's definitely out. I think if, you know, they possibly have a, a poor world cup, you know, he's definitely out, but he's, he's, I think he's definitely in the, in the hot seat. And, um, you know, I think Alex t- tapped on it in a little bit, you know, the rugby world and the rugby community in the United States is very, very small. You know, you go around anywhere and you're, you know, more, no more than six degrees of separation between someone incredibly famous within the world rugby, you know, community or, the, you know, the USA rugby community. And that being said, you know, to, to be able to, you know, reach out to Gary Gold shouldn't be, you know, so hard. I, I shouldn't have to, you know, fight to, you know, to be able to reach out and ask him questions. Um, and you should be able to, you know, give and help out youth programs in grassroots rugby. You know, when I, when I coach my team, the all be bootleggers, even though we're an outlaw, you know, D nothing, you know, you know, beer league team, you know, I'm the most of the stuff I'm learning from is YouTube and Instagram. And I'm mm. watching, you know, people coaching stuff and giving, you know, tips for, you know, drills and stuff like that. That shouldn't necessarily be the thing. You know, we should be able to have access to, you know, coaches and, be able to, you know, bounce ideas off and there should be a, a greater coaching community. And so I think, you know, if that's on him or if that's on USA rugby, I'm not sure. Uh, I d- definitely know that at some point he's got to step up and they've, there has to be some plan that's made up to, you know, for his, for all the USA players and all the feeder teams that are coming in through the MLR to say, this is what we want done so that when they come to camp, they, you know, there's the expectation, they know how, we're playing and we can, we can move forward. And so everyone's prepared. So I think that's on him. If he's not doing that, he's failing USA rugby. 
You know, and here's the problem is we don't know if he's doing that because USA Rebel doesn't friggin' publicize anything. Nope. So it could just be a perception issue, right? Like this could all be bullshit and all of our opinions could be bullshit and Taylor's comment could be bullshit, not because he didn't do it or he did it a different way, but they don't advertise that they, they're doing it. So I feel like if, if, if he's doing it, you should be throwing it out there. This is why yeah. we have social media. You know, why, why are you using your social media to only show you know, certain players looking at the Haka, like if he's out in the community, show it, so put some good faith. We've put, had good faith into USAR through their entire bankruptcy, through this contract with full rugby that no fan likes, right? That's all we do is get complaints. We've put good faith in the fact that our on-field product seems to be in disarray sometimes. So they should in good faith, be showing us what they're doing outside the community. Rob is Gary Gold on the hot seat. So uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and I'm going to say my question is, is why is this question being asked now, right? Why wouldn't it have been asked two weeks ago? I mean, is it really fair to ask the question now after, after playing the All Blacks? I mean, you're talking about the number one team perennially in the world for the last 100 years, and we're going to put, you know, all of a sudden this loss sends us into overdrive about whether or not he's doing the job he needs to do. Now, hold on. Okay. Here's the thing. I think – the onus and the questions need to be asked of the USAR, right? Because in order for him to do all those things that we want him to do, A, he's got to have a staff, and B, you got to have money to pay that staff. And we know that those things do not exist for USAR, right? They don't have the All Blacks touring the world, generating a huge amount of income and revenue for the union as a whole. Now, I'm not saying that absolves him from any responsibility. You know, I, I think there are things that head coach can do, but I think he's, he's being handcuffed. Right by the union, and that's why I think it's really an unfair question. Is he under the microscope? Sure, he's under the microscope, but I don't think you change that, you know, or change a coach, uh, you know, a year and a half away from the Rugby World Cup. I think you follow through with the plan that's in place, right? Especially when we still have to qualify, right? So, um, in my mind, I think we got to let him do his thing with the team. I think the responsibility has got to fall on USAR to get their shit together and get some kind of organization. I think Alex hit upon it just right when he said, what are the principles of play? Well, that's the first thing that USAR has to establish for everybody that plays rugby in the United States. What are our principles of play? And and everything should flow from that. I, I, I want to point out, it's not the scoreline, I think, that drove this question into the media, not from my perspective. And I do think my hot seat mind started watching when I was watching the Uruguay match while I was at PR sevens personally, it just got solidified in this all black match. And again, it wasn't the scoreline. We looked lost. Our defense looked less than energetic. The synergy seemed to be gone. And that's not to disparage anybody on individual efforts. We're not talking about individual players who might have had a bad game or have had might have had bad plays. But there seemed to be a lack of cohesion that we have now seen from Rugby Canada and St. John's. And we know the issues and and um you know the European players got literally got there the day before the match, you know, against Canada. And then but again, selection time, should Gary Gold be still playing those guys? I don't know. You know, what, why have an AJ McGinty come in who's been on the sideline rehabbing, fly in the day before because of COVID and all this other stuff, and then try and throw him on the field, right? You know, I, I, I think it's more of, again, it's not the scoreline in, in the All Blacks, but that 
the the lack of cohesion and almost looking like they didn't know what Dude, they were doing out there. They are the best team at disrupting <laughs> the opposition attack. You know, think about what they do with the breakdown and how much they disrupt. I know, the but, breakdown but you're pairing it. But you're pairing it with what quality ball they. But Rob, yeah, all those players it, from top to bottom understand and know the rule book inside and out so much Rob, so that they know how to play the fringes of the game. And yes, people question them all the time, like Rassi Erasmus does, right? Okay, but, but Rob, my point the is, it's not the singular that. match, and it's but it's not the singular match. To do that. I under, I understand. It's not that, the singular match. It's leading up to it. Look at look at everything. it for us. I mean, come yeah. on! We were gonna be outplayed in that game. We knew. I it. know, but my point is, when you now you have now you have it in your mind after the series against Canada and the disappointment against Uruguay, and if the, if if you were thinking it, you're definitely thinking it now, especially with everybody talking about it. You know, so again, I think there's a lead up to it, and I think this was this would have been the nail in your coffin to think that way. And it, just, it goes back to England and goes back to Ireland too. It's not, and it goes back really? to the world. Cup. I mean, they had what a week or two weeks to prepare a week to prepare for England and Ireland. And all the MLR players are, are playing with their teams a week prior to that. But match. again, it's that's selection. unfair to put on it's selection. Oh, I, Dude, it's selection. It's, it's not selection. Every, yes, it is. Because you had, every one you of had those all players these players the MLR, and then a week a week later they're going to, they're going to England. Almost right? the entire almost the entire pack was made up of Rooney players. All you had, you could have had a whole back line of Houston players, and that's two sets, two different sets on the pitch that have some synergy because they've been playing and practicing in the MLR. And he wanted went with a mishmash. And, and yes, and, in and second what half, was the result? He was successful. England. Uh, granted, the it was half, not England days. It wasn't England's first side, but they they, they okay, lost and we by won. We points. won the second half, but we could have won the match if maybe the selections were different and there was cohesion. Because that you did can't you say really you think can't that say, we were going to be within fourteen points of England prior to that game. We could have been. What did you think in your predictions? We can roll back to episode whatever it was. We could have been. My point is. If if you roll with the selections and you don't think the selections were the best in the English match, you think those were the best selections we could have done? We could have. First of all, here's what I think. I think that Garrett Gold in those matches said, "Look, we want to have a certain style of play. Yes, we want to keep it close, but we want to develop and blood some players into this organ, into this team, so we can develop our depth." Right. And that's the key is to develop depth because we know what it takes, and we're not going to win the World Cup, but we know what it takes to win the World Cup. It takes 500 caps in your in your 32 man squad. That's the magic number, right? So how do you do that? You don't do it by playing the same guys inside and out, you know, game in and game out. No, but you you're talking about you haven't played you haven't played international since the World Cup against those in those two matches. What do you have to lose? You're not Rob, expected you to win. Played, you haven't so played since a completely disappointing. Rob, you haven't played internationally since a completely disappointing rugby World Cup, and you have two sets of players that actually fucking played together, besides having a week of practice. How is that not instantly your fucking team? They still got a. They still got a damn good result against England in the second half. Right. Great. Uh, first no, half was the a whole disaster. Well, no, first, nobody no. here. First nobody here disaster, would have picked Rob. a fourteen point spread in that game. Rob, the first half was a disaster. You can't say it wasn't. It's was a freaking disaster. I, I, I understand that, but they came around too and showed. showed okay, some they came around, or if you have the so, right selections, maybe you have cohesion off the bat because so you, you you're think, already playing with these guys. Scott, do you think that uh, much like the New Zealand rugby has it? Do you think that USA Rugby would benefit by potentially having selectors by just kind of leaving it to the st- like I don't I maybe I'm missing that too. That's something that I don't never because of that transparency and all I ever see you know all I see is mm-hmm. what I see is what I get you know what I you know what I can dig up and there's a lot of great people that report and have better ends than me. 
but do you think that's um, do you think that's something that's maybe missing from our from our structure is having more I, subject matter experts kind of you know looking the macro view, whereas maybe Gary Gold stuck in there and he can't really see you know was that seeing the you know it's kind of through the, the trees yeah. yeah 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 I love the idea Alex I think one of the biggest challenges we have to some of some of the things that we would all like to see put in place from you're talking about a group of selectors to what Mike talked about in regards to some kind of you know grass the development from the grassroots and some basic you know teachings that are consistent throughout the United States of geography right because what the, what the what they do in New Zealand is they actually have selectors come from the various you know super league teams and join in that selection. So those guys see, you know, how those guys practice with their clubs. They see how those guys, pra- you know, play with their, uh, with their teams. And they, they provide that well-rounded view, right? You know, they see all those guys from both, you know, um, the, the, uh, the, hey, they're playing against my guys to my guys playing against other guys. They see it on a weekend, week out basis. It just, we don't have the geography that allows us to do some of these things. We I, have to figure out a different way. I think the real question that, out of all this is is not isn't Gary Gold in the hot seat or is like USA are you know USA rugby in yeah. general are they in the hot seat and yeah. they absolutely should they have let yeah. us let this down time and time again you know you had an opportunity to you know sell out or you know get close to capacity at you know FedEx Field and you they can't coordinate amongst you know the local unions to maybe push games back to a Sunday so that teams from up and down the Eastern seaboard can come and watch, you know, the all blacks play USA. And so instead of, you know, getting a possibly, you know, 60,000 or 50,000, which is what they were hoping for, you get 40,000, you know, instead of, you know, this great, you know, this great meeting of the minds of rugby and everyone coming out and, you know, playing and, and, you know, and watching it, it was lackluster. You know, I was fortunate enough that Alex put together a great, you know, tailgate before the game. You know, there was tons of great ta- tailgates there that were around. But, you know, this is the rugby culture that we want. And this is the rugby culture that we should be showing off. And USA Rugby doesn't do anything to really, you know, support that or allow it to flourish. And that's, this is something that they should be embracing more. It's I, Their main issue has been and always will be grassroots rugby. Part of that is because USA is, you know, so large and they, they have no, you know, it's they've left it up to the, the leagues and the unions so much that they, that they have no, you know, true rule over it. But, you know, they have to step up and they have to do something to allow for rugby fans that play, you know, in competitive leagues to come out and watch professional rugby. Yep. I think, you know, we can always go on a rant about USAR on, on any particular episode, whether it's an RPK, to be quite honest, or the red episode. But I think you guys sum, summed it up uh, stellarly here. Um, so I really, it's really going to be tough for me to think about a winner. Um, you know, Mike going over his time, that kind of helps because he got a yellow card. But before I announce the winner, um, let's hear from our friends at Rugby Coffee. Rugby Coffee was born of two passions, providing ethically sourced coffee and promoting the growth and development of rugby. By combining these two passions, the folks at Rugby Coffee see an opportunity to bring people together and together we can make a difference. Rugby Coffee invests 10% of their profits in giving kids an opportunity to play rugby and projects that help uplift communities. These endeavors have been transformational in many kids' lives and uplifted and empowered these communities. So in order to support that endeavor, we encourage you to buy Rugby Coffee. They have two great brews available for North America. They have Jouet Jouet and they have Crowd Favorite. Jouet Jouet, a bolder, more European blend, and Crowd Favorite being a more American more mild blend. So 
whichever you choose, each brew has its own unique style and flavor. Get your brew and support rugby. A simple vision can be transformational. Rugby is a sport can inspire communities and bring hope and provide opportunity. Rugby coffee, it's not just a game. It's a way of life. Okay. And we're back, Rugby Rant fans, and that was a great uh, little ditty from our buddy Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And as you can see, Spirit Alex now mate. has... Yeah, Alex has a, a new nickname. Alex, no nickname, Carlson. There we go. <laughs> uh, you know, my production skills are on point. Uh, you Is that no it. nickname anyway. or no neck? Because he's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get on to who I think won. I think you all had great, um, honestly, different perspectives in your two minutes, rounding out with great answers on some of the questions and kind of going back and forth on some of the stuff. Mike's automatically out for the yellow card. Sorry, Mike, you suck. Um, typical nine talking too much. Yeah, <laughs> typical nine talking too much. So it comes down to Alex, who was there, and Rob, who wasn't. Um, I think it's a simple one. Alex, you're the winner. Congratulations, buddy. <laughs> hey, it's just because I disagreed with you. Rob, Rob, you know, you should have. There we go. You, Rob, you should have postponed your uh, wife's uh, birthday celebration like a real, like a real rugby player. <laughs> but uh, Alex, congratulations, buddy. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I couldn't have done it. Without uh, Mike's support, <laughs> getting that yellow. And guys, please follow us and subscribe. Apple iTunes, anywhere you get audio podcasts. Follow us on social media at Rugby Rant Pod. Our YouTube page is live. We're throwing everything up on the YouTube page. Rate, review, subscribe everywhere you can. The more you guys do that, especially the rating on Apple iTunes, the higher we get in the, in, in the Apple algorithm and the, and the most we get on Facebook and things like that. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, follow us you know, on all social media. Like I said, we do TikToks. And you can catch this episode on TRN every Friday morning, the Rugby Network app. Um, if you guys want to check us out on Thursday night, we have the extended version with the second topic. Um, and we just love doing what we do, man. It was, it was a great spirited debate. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. That's Rob, the hammer Hammerschmidt. for Alex. No nickname, Carlson, Mike, the grand Poobah Parazzini and our buddy Ty, who couldn't be here with us tonight. Uh, we say thanks and we'll see you. At, we'll see you at the next. And welcome back, Rugby Rant fans. And that was a great first topic. Um, we had a lot of talked about, a lot of opinions flying around, getting opinions from guys like Taylor Howden off of Facebook, too. You know, it's amazing what social media can do. So here's the second topic. So last week, the HSBC 7s put out their schedule for 2022. And we actually asked this of Abby Gostitis if she had been given a reason why the women are not playing in the Vancouver leg or the LA leg of the competition. Now... The women are playing in Langford, BC a couple weeks after the Vancouver leg, but they're not playing a Vancouver leg. So that begs the question, why? And why aren't they playing in the United States? And they're not um, playing in the London leg either. The final not one playing though. the London leg. Um, so why has their schedule been augmented and cut, cut short a little bit is the question. Um, we asked Abby. She didn't, had not been given a reason. I mainly call bullshit because I do think it's bullshit, but I'm not a ranter today. So, Rob, your two minutes start now, buddy. Yeah, well, I, I don't have an answer. I mean, if Abby Gasitas, somebody who actually plays in it, doesn't know, then I, I can't possibly fathom why this is so. I, so, I, so here's my rant. Yeah, it's bullshit. Um, here's what I found interesting. So, in, in trying to find out the answer, um, here's what I found out. First time for women playing in Hong Kong Sevens. Awesome. Uh, three new cities, Sevilla, Malaga, and Toulouse. Awesome. Uh, a unique system to offset for teams should they have code, go into COVID protocols to offset points to make the competition more spirited and make those adjustments. 
Awesome. And Great Britain's going to complete in the first two legs, the Dubai legs, right? But then they're going to allow those national unions, you know, England, Wales, Scotland, to compete individually in 2022 because of contracts. All those things were in the big news, but they didn't even address the white elephant in the room. Why the hell are the women only playing seven of the 10 legs as opposed to the men? For a sport that often bolsters inclusion and, you know, obviously the PR7s having women paid the same as men and this idea of really making men's and women's compete at the same level. All of a sudden we have this stinker of a move by having absolutely no information about why this is so. Give us an answer. Is there a real rationale? If there is, fans deserve to know. But right now it looks like they're trying to cover something up that for some reason women aren't going to be playing in three of the legs and we don't know why. And that's a perception problem. And it goes back to transparency, right? We talked about transparency in the USAR. We talk about transparency in the MLR. And now in HSBC, there seems to be no transparency. How easy is it to say because of COVID travel restrictions, we will only have three, we would only have three women's teams in this leg. So we can't have the competition there. You know, it's, I understand it. You as the fan understand it. The players understand it. It's the time we live in of COVID if that's the answer, but we don't know. Transparency. Rob's big thing. Mike, your two minutes is a go. I was going to say, yeah, I have, we have no idea why this is happening. It's incredibly stupid. We have to think, you know, women's rugby is rugby, you know, in women's rugby is the fastest growing, one of the fastest growing sports in the U S and, you know, outside of the U S as well. The, the more that we support this, the more that rugby as a, as a total can flourish. Um, you know, when I, when I think of women's rugby, I think of sevens players, you know, I think of Alev Kelter. I think of Alana Mayer, who was at uh, the FedEx field this weekend, you know, taking photos with fans, every, you know, everyone wanted to take a photo with her after, you know, all of her TikToks that blew up, you know, over, uh, you know, in Japan, while she was in Japan for the Olympics, you know, it's, it, it's important to grow the game amongst women and, and that it goes to a grassroots level too. You know, I, I'm just a grassroots proponent. So, you know, these are the people that are buying tickets. You know, women want to see, you know, women play rugby. Men want to see women play rugby. I woke up or I woke up early, you know, three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning uh, to watch the women USA team play, whoever actually play rugby. You know, we need to keep doing that. We need to allow for the sport, so the sport to flourish. Um, it's, I just think it's a stupid, it's stupid reason. If, you know, if they had a valid reason, they should say it. If they don't, they should they should own up to it and rectify the situation. Wow, a scrum half stopping to talk and coming under time. <laughs> Somebody better play Lotto. I think you're right. I do think you know you have stars that are out there on social media. I mean, Abby Gustitis was on our show. You know, she was at the PR sevens. She was talking with fans. She was signing autographs. Nia Tapper signed autographs from I think everybody in the stadium at PR sevens. They are not only are they rugby players, but they're personalities that we need to have out there for. As, as people who are part of USAR, yeah. with all the trials and tribulations that we have on the 15 side, you know, the one of the bright spots is the sevens team. And you're right, rugby is rugby. Women's, men's, it doesn't fucking matter. It's rugby, right? I would so, say that I, yeah, I would say I know just the, the rugby nut that I am. I probably know just as many women's rugby sevens players as I do men's sevens players. And that's, imp that's important. You know, they're mm -hmm. just as out there, just as vocal, just as, as great. You know, th they should be, you know, on the stage.
Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Alex, let's go, baby. Wow. That's uh, all, all the points. All the points are kind of mentioned. I agree with. And I think the biggest thing that, that ties into it, um, because we do have such a, such a flourishing uh, sevens program in the U S and, and, and I get it. It's world rugby HSBC. There's, it's a global, it's a global game, but why the USA um, should demand that accountability and that transparency is the fact it's momentum. You mean we have, we have this, we have this growing program. It's good grassroots program. Young women, young women are playing rugby at a bit. I almost feel as a youth coach that it's, it's happening faster. You know, there's, there's the mainstays. There's always a good, good uh, male turnout, young, young boy turnout kind of thing. But lots and lots of young gals are getting into it, and that's awesome. And that momentum gets squashed by taking two wonderful cities, large cities that are easily, uh, you know, easy to fly into. That's got, it's got a lot of good tourist uh, infrastructure in there. It's got a lot of good travel infrastructure in there. You just take those away. You're just like chopping legs out of a what's it's a wonderful series but you really take away that north american contingent and you just you just completely isolate right because i mean you know we we, we asked we're talking about usa rugby and that transparency like we you know we didn't even get to get it to bring in the kind of canadian you know op- opinion of mm-hmm. it too which is now now you've just kind of chopped that whole leg off you chopped all of north america out of that series and yeah if it's if it's a legit reason you know we, we've all been playing this game or been around this game long enough we're used to kind kind of being told the to color and, and doing it and pressing the I believe button. But right now we're just all sitting here twiddling our thumbs waiting for, you know, the claw to come down and give us, give us some word. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's two separate issues, right? It's USA having no leg and Canada, not the men and the women being split between Vancouver and Langford. And again, not really sure why they're split. And in my opinion, it's, it, that hurts the men's and the women's game, not having them together. Right. Cause what, what's more likely if I got to tell my wife, Hey, I got to schedule two weeks of rugby that I need to go up to Canada for, to watch this because I want to watch the men's and the women's. And now I got to pick which one I got to do. Right. So that's splitting the audience in half, you know, because do I want to see the women's? Do I want to see the men's? Who have I seen more? Who have I seen less? You know, it's just kind of dividing your audience where usually it's a day full of rugby on both, right? It's a weekend of rugby on both sides. Having nothing in the U S is probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You just went from having an Olympic cycle where one of your rugby Olympians was trending on one of the hottest social media networks for two friggin' weeks to the PR sevens where you had another star Nia Tapa out there the entire, you know, for all over social media, Lev Kelter all over social media, you know, Katie Johnson all over social media, Abigail Titus all over social media to roll into 2022 to say, oh, by the way, we're not doing anything in the United States. So now we're going to have to watch replays because let's be honest, I'm not staying up to watch, you know, the Dubai and, and all those legs. I have to watch the replays. I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person. I got to, you know, do what I got to do. And then the one time I can watch it and, you know, really swing it if they're in LA and Vancouver, you're kind of screwing me on it, you know? And, and that's where I feel like you see what PR sevens is doing. And, and there's no way HSBC doesn't see PR sevens as competition. And you know, one of their main tenants was paying everybody equally. And if there would, if there was enough players available, they were going to have six women's teams, just like they had six men team, but due to injury and selections for the United States women's team, 15s team, you know, that, that went into camp, they had to cut it to four. You know, so you would have had six. So everything was going to be equal in PR sevens. And you see that model is happening in the States where, again, 
we're starting to grow. We're that sleeping giant of rugby. And in sevens, I think we're, we've surpassed that, you know, compared to the 15 side, as well, far as audience, I was how do you not see that? I was just going to say, like, you know, our women, men, men's and women's team, and for that matter, you know, Rugby Canada and Rugby um, Rugby Canada's men's and women's team, uh, they hold, they're much better in the seven game. I mean, the performances are showing on the field much better than on the 15 side. Why don't they have more, hold more sway with um, international covering bodies for sevens? Like being able to dictate, no, hey, we need a LA leg. We need a Vancouver leg for women too because let's face it united states and canada uh united states what place assisted canada mm-hmm. canada was uh tokyo games um sorry um the rio games what third or fourth place correct bronze, i believe the I mean, bronze medalist yeah so, so so i mean why are they not holding more sway over and dictating where where when the women's game is played I mean, and we've shown time and time again, Americans show up to Vegas, right? Now, last year, L.A. was a little lackluster, but that was due to internal politics of travel restrictions in this country. You know, people were rolling out the vaccine and who was vaccinated, who was not in this state you couldn't go to in that state. All that pretty much within the United States has changed, right? People are traveling. So I assume you're having these matches in L.A. this year. You're going to have the fanfare that you would normally get from the old Vegas sevens, right? So, again, isn't that what HSBC wants, right? I'm not sure if you're going to get that fanfare in Dubai because I'm not sure what the travel's like to Dubai, right? I'm not sure what the travel's like to France. I'm not sure what the travel's like to Spain for well, Americans. Well, from, from what I understand and from what I read, actually in the first leg of Dubai, mm-hmm. that first week, there are no fans on the stands. It's only in the second leg that mm-hmm. fans are going to actually be be able to come in and watch that. So it's kind of an interesting... interesting and and I wonder, there. again, how how much what's limited. And my point is being the travel restrictions not being there for the U.S., why wouldn't you put the two together? To me, it just seems kind of stupid. Again, there might be a reason. This goes back to our first conversation, perception. Yeah. There might be a reason, but just be transparent about it. Just be public about it. In the time of COVID, we've learned to that people have to adapt and organizations have to adapt. And if this is because of COVID and travel restrictions and this, that, and the other thing, just say that, and we will be sympathetic towards that. But to take the women off the Vancouver stage and to not even be put on the LA stage, to me, is asinine. It's bullshit. And it's just setting back, you know, you talk about how the USAR isn't fighting for this. And maybe again, they are. But if I was USAR, I would have put out a statement already and say, we have been fighting with HSBC about this. And this is what we want to do. And we want the women in the LA leg. And we've been putting our name out there to say, we're doing this and we're backing our women players. Put out the statement. Fuck what everybody else thinks. I want to know as a USA fan that you're backing up the players for them to play in the United States in the biggest competition of sevens in the world at this point. That's that's played every year, right? But again, no transparency, no communication. It's the same old crap, it seems, from time to time. So, guys, I think it's time to pick a winner of the whole friggin' thing. So, you know, Mike had great points in the second half, and I don't know if he overcame that yellow card, but he might have. He might have. Um, hammer coming in strong, but he also had the opportunity to go first in this 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 segment. Um, so I don't know if he took some of Alex's stuff. You know, maybe he was cheating a little bit. Not cheating. I didn't say cheating. Alex won the first but, one. You didn't say that about the first one, and he went first. Well, you know, we don't know he won the first one, but you know, he he might have won the first one. I haven't decided yet. I know Mike didn't win the first one. Um. <laughs> But, you know, Rob is kind of Belichickian in his ways. So, Alex, you might want to look for like a camera posted somewhere <laughs> in your in your apartment or your house. But, man, this is a tough one. 
as much as I hate to say it, Rob, I think you won this one. I fucking hate it, but I'm going to do it. I think you and Alex were, were neck and neck in the first one, to be quite honest. You're neck and neck in the first one, and I think you had a little a slight advantage. And again, not necessarily you're doing, you know, just how, how we roll with, with how we do it. Um, you know, you got a little more of an advantage to talk first in this, this one. So you had some really good points. And I think you and Alex might have, you guys, you know, you know how it is. Sometimes you get on the same wavelength of things. You're like, shoot, I don't know what else to talk about. So, uh, Rob, congratulations on your win. Um, as, as you will notice, I did not make myself the winner like Ty does every so often. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I do abide by some rules. Um, a little but there. I thought you might have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never do that. Um, although I do think more, my rant was superior. I would never award myself the sir, uh, the trophy. Um, anyway, uh, fans, thank you so much for watching. We had two great topics this week. Thank you so much for voting on the second topic. I really think this topic about the women's sevens needs to be talked about, and the fact that everybody's still, you know, hot about the abs. I don't want this topic to get lost. You know, I'm a big proponent of the women's game. Um, we 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 play better in women's sevens than we do in men's. Let's, let's be honest, right? They've, they've been a little more, a little bit more successful than the men and they play great rugby. And I feel like they're in my personal opinion, they, they're kind of being flushed down the toilet in 2022. Um, and it, that's not right. Um, but anyway, fans, thank you so much for watching. I'm Scott, the big guy Ferrara. That's Rob, the hammer Hammerschmidt. for our buddies, Alex, no nickname Carlson or no neck Carlson as Rob likes to call him. <laughs> Mike, the grand Poobah, Parazzini and our buddy, Ty Braga, please, we love having you guys, and we'll see you at the next.